Today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. My idea for this show was to invite guests and get the conversation started, to take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. And we encourage our listeners to look within themselves to take decisive action to make a positive difference. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. I am your host, Bill Myers. And let me begin by saying, uh, at the end of last week's show on Silence Part 2, I mentioned the story of the journalist in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who could not remain silent any longer and took a stand with the Kenosha News. By confronting the paper's headline of a peaceful protest rally, which he actually attended, demanding that the headline be changed, when the paper's editor refused to make the change, Daniel Thompson refused to back down and finally took a stand. And with great courage, integrity, and conviction, the Kenosha newspaper's only black employee resigned from his job at the paper. Now, some may see this as foolish, but I see this as courageous and being on purpose. So, we are grateful and very lucky today to have with us Daniel Thompson. And, you know, it it takes so much courage to stand up against a wrong. I mean, would you say something or do something if it cost you your job? I mean, I will discuss this with my guest, Daniel Thompson, who recently made national news, national news, when he quit his job as a journalist with the Kenosha News in Wisconsin. First, let me begin by giving you a brief bio on Daniel. Daniel Thompson is an independent journalist based in Kenosha, Wisconsin area. He started in journalism at the Western Nebraska Observer in 2012 and most notably ended his career in print journalism in August 2020 at the Kenosha News. In his eight-year career, Thompson has served as a reporter, editor, publisher, and multimedia manager, as well as winning writing and photography awards from the Nebraska Press Association, the Hoosier State Press Association, the Wisconsin Newspaper Association, and the Associated Press. He is currently well-known for being unemployed. Please help me welcome my guest today, Mr. Daniel Thompson. Welcome, Daniel. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah. One, it, one, point, one point off the bat, uh, I, I just want to clarify, I'm not the only, I wasn't the only black uh, employee. I was the only black uh, full-time employee in the newsroom. Okay. Well, thank you for the correction. I do not want to get it wrong. Um, so I am 
I would like to start here, Daniel, with something that kind of appears as a as a sidebar when I was looking at uh, several articles um, uh, all over the country that were written about this incident, and it always is uh, sort of a, a little sidebar note the uh, mention that you are biracial. And that happens to be something that we have in common. And so rather than that being a sidebar, uh, I would prefer to start uh, the, the conversation looking at that because I truly believe that it is our early developmental experiences and our circumstances and, and, uh, and, and early life that shapes in many ways our worldview. So I want to start with that because I think then we can back into the uh, the actual incident and may gain a better understanding. So that's what I am going to endeavor to do at this time. So you you grow you you are biracial and uh, first of all, where did you grow up? Where are you originally from? I was born and raised, at least for my first 16 years, in Racine, Racine, Wisconsin. Okay, okay. So now, talk to me about uh, your experience growing up. I mean, uh, your mom and dad, do you have any siblings? Yes, yes. I have three brothers, all older than me. Um okay. My my mother is white. My my father is black. But my racial my uh, my heritage, I guess, is a bit more complicated than that. It's African American, uh, German, British, Native American. I think some Irish in there. Um, in fact, on my mother's side, my her German heritage goes back to being Hessians that fought in the uh, Revolutionary War, but loved. Mm. Uh, the landscape of America so much that they moved to the Ohio area, and that's where my white ancestry starts, and uh, my father on his side, the black ancestry starts in, uh, I believe, Chickasaw County, Mississippi. Um, who knows when? You can only <laughs> go so back so far, you know, on the black side. Before you know, even that- names and ages start getting obscure. Right, right. Well, you know, uh, after the show, I will share some information with you. Uh, One of my previous guests, Sharon Leslie Morgan, is one of the leading uh, black genealogical and ancestry. She has a, uh, her site is uh, ourblackancestry.com. And Sharon Uh is pretty wonderful. And that is her major contribution work is... Uh, and she was a guest on here about a month ago. And so I will share some information with you and be happy to connect the dots with you and share, and she might be able to give you some insight because you're right. Once you go back so far, you do kind of hit a brick wall uh, because people weren't people. They were property. <laughs> and, exactly. Um, and birth records and, no, and no. all that become very suspect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that would be wonderful because it is – I was maybe a year ago actively trying to pursue uh, finding more of my uh, genealogy or more of my ancestors on my father's side, but after hitting that roadblock, I basically gave up. Um, but no, um, and that kind of, you know, that paints a picture of uh, my 
So I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the first time that I realized that I was biracial in my life. There wasn't a moment like a movie moment where somebody called me the N word and suddenly it clicked. I looked at, them, at my hands and I'm like, oh my God, I'm darker than everybody. No, it wasn't like that. <laughs> at some point, I discovered race and I realized that my father was black and my mother was white. And then I asked them and they explained to me that I am, in fact, mixed race is what they said at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't play it probably played more of a role than I was able to perceive when I was younger. Cause it's very hard for a child to look through the lens of race. Even when you look at children who play together, for example, at the rally that I was at Saturday, I saw children of all colors playing together with no problem. And I uh-huh. took a photo of some of them saying hate is learned. Children just don't, we force lenses on children and people as they grow that kind of obscure the general clear picture that we see as children. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, so no, I I think that's very clear. I think that's very clear. I mean, uh, racism and those types of things is very much, uh, taught you, you have to be taught that, you know, and conditioned into that because, uh, because you're right. I mean, kids being kids will be kids. (laughs) Okay. I mean, they don't see any of that, you know, they, they don't see it, but they do mimic the behavior of their parents. And that's why you'll see kids in old photographs smiling and pointing at the burned bodies of black people hanging from trees. And you'll even see them at rallies for um, a political candidate or a social cause on either side. They just follow what they're told by the people they look up to. Mm-hmm. That's sad. So I didn't... Again, I couldn't tell you when I when that moment happened, but it's maybe started to affect me with how I saw it affecting my brothers. So my brother Nate is actually adopted, and he's my oldest brother. I've okay. I've never really looked at him as anything other than I would consider him my blood if I didn't know that fact. I still do, even though I do know that fact. So he's very he's darker than the rest of us as far as his skin color, mm-hmm. and it kind of fades. As you get younger, it's almost like the blackness, just like there wasn't enough to spread. But um, so Matt's <laughs> a little bit lighter. So we're all kind of we all deal with uh, even being biracial or three, the three of us, Matt, Tom and me uh, deal with it being biracial. And then Nate deals with being, you know, black mm-hmm. um, completely without right. that wiggle room of even the idea of way back when passing, which was exclusive to biracial people, that mm-hmm. opportunity, sacrifice that you could, you could take or make. Um, so I think with Nate, when he fall, fell into issues with police and he became known by local police officers, it drew attention to me. For instance, one time, by the time I was seven, I actually um, was accused of stealing a bike Um, and I had been at home all day, but this officer was adamant that, you know, he had witnesses that said it was me and that even though my parents weren't home the whole time he's talking about to me, he said that he was going to take me to jail 
that he didn't care that my parents were at home. I could call them from jail and trying all these tactics. And my brother Nate is sitting there and he's not listening to Nate either. And then finally it gets to the point that he brings in the witnesses and the witnesses take one look at me and tell the officer, no, he didn't look like him at all. And wow. he had just tried to bring me a child to jail without any of my parents present while both me and my brother were below the age of probably 14, 15. Wow. So things started becoming apparent, but I didn't know what to call it. Because mm. still at this time in my life, you know, you're under the impression of, of you know, cops being the heroes and, you know, crooks being, being clearly the bad guys. But right, right. then you start to look at what images are being presented of those two sides. Every police officer I'd ever seen in my life as a child in cartoons and anything had been a white man, while criminals were the ones that were people of color. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a very astute observation there, Daniel. I will uh, I, I I concur with that. There was always the the policeman, the hero uh, sort of thing, and it was you know it was largely. Um, white characters, you know, portraying this, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how we even frame good and bad or these these roles in different uh, leadership positions in the community, even as, uh, say, people like me were growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're hitting on some, some very interesting points. Well, first of all, the, the, one of the points that I want to sort of share with you is where that uh, the police uh, and and the color thing changes up for me personally is my father is a police officer was a police officer and was you know very respected in the community in Indianapolis and all that sort of thing so that that was a slight variation of the theme so I knew that it was possible uh, because the first police officer I ever saw you know what I mean <laughs> was my dad yeah. you know what I mean so that was comforting right now we are going to take a little bit of a pause, but I'm enjoying this conversation very much, and I encourage everyone to stick and stay with us. I'm here with Daniel Thompson, and uh, we are having a wonderful discussion about growing up biracial. We'll be back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in 
for the latest news and updates. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We're back. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers, and my guest today is Daniel Thompson from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, Daniel, before we went to the break, I was sharing with you about uh, my dad being uh, the first police officer. However, having said that, uh, I have lived long enough to uh, to know that my dad is very different, and I, too, uh, feel very much at risk uh, and have had uh, several encounters with police officers, uh, sort yeah. of the dr- driving while black, you know, all these kinds of things, you know, just the stuff like you described that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, why am I being targeted? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've never jaywalked, you know what I'm saying? I mean, growing up with a police, you know, as, as your dad, that can either go one of two ways. Uh, either you uh, become the rebel and, you know, you're drinking every, you know what I mean? You're, yeah, you're drinking yeah, and, yeah. and very risky behavior, sort of pastor's kid, similar thing. Either you're the rebel yeah, yeah, or yeah. you're in you're in sync, you know what I mean? You're in alignment. Oh, yeah, so. I, grew up, I grew up a pastor's kid, so I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I it's interesting because you, you mentioned that you have um, an, an older brother, now with uh, your oldest brother, uh, I, I don't want to mess up the names, but the oh the, Nate, your, your, Nate, Nate. So um, I too, my mom um, was married previously. Um, she is white, um, and she is from Arkansas originally, and she was she was married before, and so I have two um, siblings also who are white. And uh, from from that marriage, and and again, I'm I'm with you. I never bought into, nor can I re-articulate the idea of half brother, half. You know, you either is or you ain't. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I love you. You're exactly. my you're my brother. You're my sister. Um, so uh, that's the way that goes. Um, and so and that's been that's had a few very interesting experiences also because uh, their upbringing. Uh, was not the same as mine. Uh, they come from a different sort of space also. Uh, but I love them nonetheless. Um, so when did you, 
um, so so we were talking about biracial and, and, and the identity. I always felt personally that uh, the, the time spent at home, early childhood, you know, probably before school and that sort of thing, um, I always felt safe, mom, dad, family. Um, there, it was always when we left the house that the world was waiting to confront. You know, when we left the house, uh, it didn't matter whether I was going to the store. You know, I grew up sort of little sandy, brown, sort of blonde, Shirley Temple curl thing, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. hair. And uh, so here I am walking, you know, hand in hand with either my mother, who's clearly Caucasian, uh, which would draw the stares and the disdain uh, in the looks. It was pure hatred. Yeah. I mean, they look up, they look down, they look up. Something's wrong here, and I don't like any part of this. Uh, that was the look. But it also occurred with my dad, because my dad is a black man, and I'm walking around, yeah. you know, again, sandy, blonde, curly locks. You know, it's something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, so it, it really wasn't, was, um, and I don't know at what age, you know, or, or how old you are, but I'm 54, so my early childhood was really late 60s, early 70s stuff. So we were still very close to the hotbed of civil rights and all that, and right, things were not right. okay. You know, it was still very uh, tentative, and we still had places around where it was illegal to be married still uh, in oh, interracial right. couples. Yeah. Things like that were still going on. I'm from Indianapolis, and it has a history, uh, you know, a, a sort of a race history that's connected to Klan, the KKK, and all kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I am curious. So, when did you become interested in becoming a journalist? Well, I um, so journalism was always somewhat part of my life. I mean, I grew up, when I was a kid, I used to watch really old uh, Superman cartoons, like the old, like, 1940s, like, I don't know if it's gold, no, it'd be Silver Age, I think, uh, comics and stuff like that, like, of Superman. And, of course, Clark Kent was the alter ego, and he was a journalist, even though Clark Kent would be fired, like, on his first day, because he just never does any work. Um, <laughs> he was not working at any actual newspaper. <laughs> Seriously, mid-conversation, he just bails. It's weird. But um, <laughs> so it was uh, It was that was kind of first exposure. So I used to walk around, like, pretending to be a journalist, wearing, like, glasses and stuff. So that was, like, the cutesy kid part of it. Um, later on in high school, I joined, you know, my high school newspaper when I went to Tremper, but also at Christian Life School in Kenosha. Um, and... I wouldn't call what I did particularly journalism, but uh, it, it felt good to see my byline. And then in college, uh, when I went to Madison for my last two years, I um, would I interned at Beloit Daily News under editor in chief Bill Barth, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Debbie Debbie Hart. I think was her name. The features editor, particularly that I wrote uh, two stories for. So I was actually an English major. So I didn't intend on actually going into journalism at first. Um, Mm -hmm. But that internship and again, seeing my byline feeling great to be able to tell stories or be able to write in that capacity. um, I realized that it's what I want to do at least for part of my life. 
So I leveraged this kind of internship to get a job in, at uh, the Western Nebraska Observer in Kim, Nebraska. And it's funny because uh, my time there intersects with kind of a point or what you were talking about with, you know, having a father who was a police officer or law enforcement. So at this point in my life, when I moved to Kimball uh, to take on my first reporting gig or full-time reporting gig, um, my experiences with police had largely been negative through exposure through my brother, Nate, and uh, everything else. So when I got there, and I'd never harbored any, uh, you know, ill will towards police. I was just very suspicious or taught to mm-hmm. be by my brother, especially. Um, so when I got there, I actually, in my time there, one of my closest contacts and the person that I would visit off the record all the time, either to just talk or to get his opinion on something, became uh, Kimball County Sheriff Harry Gilway at the time. In fact, my best relationships were with either him or uh, the second police chief while I was there, which was Darren Huff, who later would go on to have his own controversy that made him leave Kimball, like his predecessor, uh, Chief Smith. Um, but that's, I, I, um, I realized quickly because, you know, as a journalist, especially kind of mostly general assignment, you work crime beats. So you work closely with law enforcement. And mm-hmm. I found that both in Kimball and in White County, Indiana, where I worked uh, my second newspaper under a different company before coming back to Kenosha, um, that the sheriffs were the ones that I actually got along with. And we developed a rapport and a working relationship to where I knew what they would let me do. And I knew that as long that as long as I let them be in control of what they were supposed to be in control of and then mm-hmm. trample on their job, they would also help me do mine within the framework of that. So mm-hmm. a lot of my relationships were close with with lots of law enforcement where I've worked. And the truth is I've only met or or experienced firsthand maybe two or three bad police officers. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, you it, know, it's my it my time it's in those Kimball two or kind three of, though that Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, my time in Kimball kind of opened my eyes or kind of was the gateway to seeing that or experiencing firsthand the other side of law enforcement. You know, the good officers that are actually out there, of which there are many. Mhm. Yeah. That's so true. And it, it, it what I was saying was, you know, it's always the it's always the, you know, the two or three that just make it oh, yeah. a terrible narrative for everybody, you know? So And that's, really that's in any group. I mean, it's law enforcement, it's protesters who are, you know, marching peacefully for change. It's, it's everywhere. You uh-huh. know, it's anybody who's opposed to these ideas uh, wants to point at the two or three that are obvious examples of all the evils they already think exist within the overall group. Um, I've termed it this so many times throughout my life, and I think it's the best way that I I have thought of it. People like to play the game of social synecdoche. synecdoche. So social synecdoche, synecdoche to me 
synecdoche being, you know, using part to represent a whole in literary devices, um, is that socially we like to take the outliers of a group when we don't agree with that group and we try to magnify that to represent the whole group to anybody who will listen to us because we want mm. them to oppose too, regardless of what it's actually going for or whether or not it's good or bad for us as human beings as a whole. It's just convenient to mm -hmm. do so. Yeah. Wow. That is so true. Uh, I had never heard that term before, so thank you for that uh, uh, PhD that you just laid on me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, you my know. English my English degree had to pay off a little someday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I, I can verify it, man. I, you know, I'll sign off right now. That's awesome. <laughs> so I do appreciate it. So you know, um, but yeah, that does seem to be very true. You know, where we will we will um, you know sort of hold up that bad apple, you know, and say, see, they're all all apples are bad. See, look at this one; it's ate up. You know, um, yeah, exactly. so. You know, so it's 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 kind of crazy how all that works. But I'm going to take this opportunity right now to uh, lead us into a break. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires right here on the Inspired Choices Network, and my guest today is Daniel Thompson. Hang in there, and we'll be back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires, here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers, and my guest today is Daniel Thompson from Kenosha, Wisconsin. And we have been having a wonderful conversation about uh, relationships and, and with police officers and um in in the community good good police bad police the perceptions of um and and it's it's really wonderful i want to now move because i think that where we left off which was 
sort of the characterization or, or taking one person and holding them up to describe the entire group, I think is a perfect setup for us to visit the um, the incident in Kenosha that uh, made you uh, a, a national uh, figure. <laughs> so, um, I and I just I want to say to everyone when this story broke, my uh, my uncle sent me an article. I think it was MS msn uh, dot com. It was a news piece from them, and I I read that and I immediately sought out. Uh, Daniel, so he, he probably is aware that I was blowing up Facebook, blowing up everywhere I could. <laughs> hey, come here. I want to talk. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. So I am grateful uh, that he responded because I thought it was important and it was something that touched me on several fronts. Not only the idea of taking a stand, uh, but I was doing a two-part piece on silence, and there was something that struck me about breaking the silence. Uh, that in, that uh, his story uh, connected to me in that way, and then also that he was biracial, and that was something uh, very um, that I very much wanted to visit as a conversation because I think that being biracial, there is a perspective uh, that may be, you know, uh, that is unique, that is definitely unique, um, and I wanted to explore that. Uh, with someone else and 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 tap into their experience of that. So right now, we, I would like if you could just sort of give us a synopsis. I understand it was your day off, and there was a rally. Yes. Uh, can you go ahead and share that story with us? Yes. So what happened was uh, I had been off all of that week because I had. Five weeks of vacation left, and if I don't use them, I lose them. So <laughs> I had chosen that week. Um, uh, and uh, I had been covering the Kenosha protests since the death of George Floyd. The first night that uh, cars came down into Kenosha from 75th Street and kind of drove around all the city, and, you know, people were kind of uh, tense and afraid. Uh, that night because they had no idea what was going on. But that night mm -hmm. was the start, and uh, I was there in the middle of it because I sought it out. I heard it was happening and found them, and I went live mm -hmm. as Kenosha News and, and all that. But then over time, I kept covering protests, learning more about how to cover protests and what it actually looks like and who's actually there. And uh, by way of saying, you know, all the number of groups that are actually there, not just the two that you expect, like counter uh, counter protester and protester. It's way more comp mm. complex than that. So learning to do it, but also, you know, kind of getting to know uh, a lot of these local activists. So on my days off, especially with the Jacob Blake shooting, um, I wanted to go and see what the support for the family uh, looked like and support them myself. Cause you know, as a biracial black uh, person of color, um, these issues are largely part of my core. I couldn't avoid them if I wanted to, just because I exist, I am part of them. Right. So I, um, I walk up and you know, sometimes I'm really tense going to these things because it's been months of uh, 
both local activists figuring out what they want to do and what they want it to look like, and also counter-protesters who are at times vicious, and they don't care who you are, um, or if they're on live video, I came to find. But I, I went, and I immediately became, or kind of relaxed, because I started to see children of all colors, people of all colors. There was food, there was fellowship, there was unity, and Corey Washington, who people can find us at Corey Elijah on Twitter, who I consider the true hero of Kenosha because uh, he's a black man who has been riding around on his skateboard armed with only his cell phone and a gimbal that he has it on recording live video of everything to do with the protest mm. since the beginning. So me and him have encountered each other and got to know each other through both covering all of these things. Mm -hmm. So I knew he had been there and seen everything I had seen. So when I walked up and I saw him, I actually turned to him and I said, I think this is the event we've been waiting for. Because we hadn't actually, you know, outright talked about it. But in seeing the kind of local struggle to find balance in the aftermath of all these social issues taking place nationally, I, I finally felt like on that day and yeah, we had finally achieved it. I wasn't tense anymore. It was just people expressing their point and then mm -hmm. marching. And then, you know, it was peaceful protest. We're finally back to it, how it should be. But then that guy said what he did. And to this day, um, I do not know who this person was. I don't know their affiliation to the rest of the event. And anytime so I've heard the audio, you know, if they kill one of ours, it's time for us to kill one of yours. Um, he said that. But if you listen to the audio clips like I have, uh, not even seeking them out, I've heard them in other interviews I've done. Uh -huh. Immediately following, It's immediately followed by boos, shocked reactions, and disgust from the crowd. Yeah, uh, so, Daniel, I, I want to take just a second and back up because what yeah. what you experienced was – a, a peaceful rally that had uh, uh, government officials. I mean, it was true community. I mean, it was, oh, am it was. I correct? We marched together from a barbershop um, owned, I believe, by Alvin Owens or, or somebody uh, like that who's a local, uh, a local leader, especially in the black community, and uh -huh. met there and marched to around the courthouse, which was, of course, fenced off. And there was still, you know, a National Guard presence behind the fences and around the Dinosaur Museum, which is on the other opposite side of the park that the rally took place in, you know, or March 2. Uh, uh -huh. But it was very, very toned down. And there was no uh, provocation between either group. So that was nice. So out of this experience, then somebody gets up and and throws a, you know, the rotten apple. In, you know what I mean? At least uh, they made the they threw a grenade. Yeah, they threw a grenade in the middle of it because. And another way I've described it is that this has been an event, the first one in Kenosha. Well, all the national eyes are locked on us. That had been completely peaceful, and that, in my opinion, had showed people what the Kenosha community really was. And so anybody who was hoping for more ammo to say that Kenosha was this place where there was all this violence and it was unruly and 
oh, we need the president to intervene and the National Guard and blah, 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 blah. Finally saw that the people here are not only their kind. They are mm-hmm. thoughtful. They want change. They want progress. They want their right. leaders to listen. And they haven't been. And then that guy said what he did. And there went a bullet directly into the gun that did not need to be loaded. And it was used, as it always is. And so the next, the next encounter was uh, the, the, your, the, the paper that you work for, the Kenosha News, printed. Was it print, or how did that, how did that, how did that? What happened was yeah. that I returned home, and uh, I was not actually even thinking about that quote or that person speaking because it was a blip in the event to me, and it wasn't even mm-hmm. a credible. It was one man one person who said something and everyone else, the vast majority were disgusted by it. So I didn't, I wasn't thinking about, Oh God, tonight are they going to go out and destroy anything? No, that right. one guy may throw something through a building, but that's one person that's typical in any city. So I wasn't thinking about it. And then I looked on Facebook and I saw that one of my uh, friends had responded or commented on a story by the Kenosha News, which had the headline of, uh, or the one that, that we, I've mentioned, you know, if, they, if you kill one of ours, it's time for us to kill one of yours. And mm. I, what often happens, or, or what can happen, and I've witnessed as the digital editor uh, when I was working at the Kenosha News, is that due to how Lee Enterprises has it set up, a lot of state, national, and international stories will flow through the website. And because you also have Social News Desk, which sweeps the website every 15 minutes roughly and grabs uh, stories with certain labels or tags on them and shoots them on social media, you can Mm -hmm. have these state stories mixed in with local and there can be confusion and people react to them thinking they're local, but they're not. So I clicked on the story to see if that's what happened. And it's not, it was the same event I had been at. So I immediately screenshot it, sent it to Bob Heiss, my boss or former boss saying, I want to know exactly who wrote this. Cause I believe it because it's grossly negligent and inappropriate. And, you know, mm-hmm. I expressed how I was upset how I didn't know if I could associate with the company anymore after that, but that I'm going to calm down. I just want him to know immediately. You know, this whole time, if you look at, look at even the text I sent, I never thought that Bob did it. And I came to him thinking that he would change it and that he would work faster. He'd be like, Oh dear God, why did that happen? But he didn't, you know, he stood by it, said it was an, uh, a public threat and an actual quote. But the truth is that anybody who would have been actually at the event would have known that it was not a credible threat and it wasn't worth being presented as such to anyone. Mm-hmm. Wow. <clears throat> and so from that point, you then, um, he stood his ground and you uh, did what? I quit. I quit. I resigned. The whole conversation... The whole thing took 20 minutes. I sent, and that's only because of delay in texting back and forth. We never talked over the phone. Um, 
I sent him a text, I believe at 7.05, and I sent my last one just that simply said sent, uh, telling him that I had sent my letter of resignation at 7.25. Wow. 20 minutes. You know, that takes, you know, but but there is that point when enough is enough. And uh, on that note, we're going to take a brief pause and come right back. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. Um, my guest today is Daniel Thompson, formerly of the Kenosha News. We'll be right back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. Here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We're back. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. My guest today, Daniel Thompson. Daniel, I just want to to uh, make a, a a statement before we we venture on, and it is in the midst of you had pointed out the George Floyd incident and the various protests that began there in Kenosha following that. But um, in the midst of all of this, I I, I must point out that uh, the incident with uh, Jacob Blake himself being shot in the back seven times uh, for the world to see. Uh, that has happened yeah. since George Floyd. So because you are there, it might be closer to you in your field of vision, but somebody who is afar looking at the only thing I've ever heard about Kenosha is relative to a black man getting shot seven times in the back. Um, yeah. So I, I just want to reflect the, the gravity of that situation and again because you are there uh you, you know you, your field of vision and and exposure to that or the weight of that might not seem quite the same but as somebody observing it who represents all the other people in the country you know what i mean from afar who's no, not yeah, in Kenosha, yeah. is going yeah, wow and the truth, that the was truth is that horrible largely what i did was because of jacob blake and his family uh-huh. Because they deserved to have had, I mean, Jacob Blake's father at the event 
a man who has every right to call for riots, to call for destruction until there is justice, asked everyone in the nation, rioters, to stop, to stop destroying their cities, their communities, for a night of peace. He asked for peace. Mm. That should have been the message that was that was highlighted. And right. it's hard to watch somebody do the right thing and call for something that they it would be completely understandable for them not to want or not to even call for. He didn't have to say anything. He could have avoided mm. a call or for or against rioting altogether, but he chose to call for peace. That was a strong and powerful statement to make as the father of somebody who has watched his child go through this. Mm -hmm. So when presented with this scenario again of do I either accept that things are how they are, like everybody does, and just kind of bite my tongue one more time and then silently tear myself down for years after the fact for not standing up or do I take inspiration from this father doing what needed to be done even if internally it went against what in that moment his emotions were telling him to cry out for mm. I sided with taking the model of Mr. Blake and I quit my job that is very powerful, and that is why I reached out to you, because you mentioned the idea of silently witnessing things and not speaking up, and then something occurred, something clicked. Um, you became on purpose. You found your voice. You found the courage to say, not this time. And, I, you know, again, I've I've read several of the the points that, you know, other people, uh, you know, I've seen some of the comments on some of the articles and, you know, well, you know, it, you know, the, the whole quitting thing and, and you're part yeah. of the problem because you're in the media and you probably wrote some of those really nasty attention-grabbing, sensationalist crap. Oh, yeah, that, you know, all the lovely you know, usual fan letters that I receive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, it peace. comes with a job. <laughs> You get exactly. handed a box when you walk in the first day. Like, it's fun. Exactly. Exactly. But I'll tell you what, man. I have great respect for you, and that looms large. You know, the show's called Bill Myers Inspires. I lean toward things that inspire me. You are an inspiration to me because I know that it absolutely takes uh, a gulp and a sigh to take that kind of stand. Um, I don't see that as a weak stand. I see that as a big stand because you're calling somebody to account and you're not giving them a pass. Not this time. So, yeah. um, so I, I applaud you and your effort to take that stand on behalf of uh, not only the Blake, the Blake family, but also for yourself. And uh, I think that the the city of Kenosha has shown you quite a bit of love and people all over the country. I understand uh, that, that, you know, you being unemployed, you're probably financially better off now than you ever <laughs> well, here's, were. Here's the thing that I'll say. The city of Kenosha showed me the same love that I invested in it with my blood, sweat, and tears in my on and off days as a journalist working in the community. So mm. that's that's kind of, how I how I I look at it. It's uh, 
The community yeah. decided to invest in me because I've invested in it, and I'm going to right. continue to invest. Okay, so that brings me to the next thing. So we've got only about a minute now. So I want to know from you, what is your next move? Because whatever it is, I want to be able to mention it here, and I want to figure out how to support that in any way that I can. Yes. At the moment, I'm working on a partnership with – I won't disclose exactly who yet. I'll be announcing something soon, uh, concrete, but I have a short-term and long-term goal. But I've already set up where I'll be housed. Uh, my my content will be housed currently or mm-hmm. in the short term. And uh, I'll start get I'll be getting going, uh, writing and everything very soon uh, in October. And wow. I may also write something, one or two things this week. So that's awesome. So, yeah. Well, you know, so everybody, please keep your eyes and ears peeled for this brilliant young man, uh, Daniel Thompson in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He's doing some amazing things. And, uh, brother, I thank you for joining me in this conversation today. Yes, thank you for having me. It's yeah, I, yeah, it has. And I'm sure I will have you back because we, we, we only sort of scratch the surface of that biracial story and it goes a lot deeper than <laughs> I, I, I know. Yeah. It goes a lot deeper. So, But I do want to revisit that, and I don't want this to be your last time here. But I do want to go back and, um, again, sort of sew up uh, the, the lead that I gave at the end of uh, the last show, Silence Part 2. And there is a quote from Dr. King that I used uh, to close that show. Uh, a couple of quotes that I used, and I want to revisit one one more time, which was, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Daniel, for being with us. We will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for spending your afternoon right here with us at Bill Myers Inspires. Remember, we're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Inspired Choices Network. Remember to take time this week to take a breath and look within yourself and figure out how you can make a positive difference in this world. Spread the word, and we'll see you here next Friday. Have a wonderful week.